Good morning. I invite you to turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. We will be reading starting in verse 14. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If you were here at nine, um, you'll hear some of the same things again. Sorry, not sorry. Um, if you weren't here at nine, um, you're going to miss out on some of the things that uh, I'll allude to backwards and uh, you won't know what you missed. Again, sorry, not sorry. Before we start looking at Ephesians 3, this prayer of Paul, I want us to just go back to chapter 1, and let's just remind ourselves of a previous prayer that Paul shared with the Ephesians. Ephesians 1, verse 15 for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This morning we are not going to go back and compare every line and every word of these two prayers, but there are so many similarities. Paul starts here in verse 14 for this reason. As John 
read last week at the beginning of chapter 3, for this reason. For what reason? It seems natural to just look back a verse or two and say, because I asked you not to lose heart. If we go to 3.8, Paul was, because Paul was to preach the unsearchable riches. 3.9, because Paul was to bring to light the plan for everyone. 3.10, because the church was to demonstrate the wisdom of God to the angels. 3.12, because we are to have boldness and access to God with confidence. 3.13, because Paul doesn't want the Ephesians to be discouraged about his suffering. But you might remember last week when John started, he said, he described his passage as this sidetrack of Paul's letter. So if 3, 1 to 13 was a sidetrack, is 14 for this reason going back to chapter 2 like 3, 1 was. Remember two weeks ago, Brent was talking about unity. The beautiful detour there in, in chapter 3 where Paul explains God's plan. That mystery, as John said, not the game of Clue, not something that you could figure out, only came through God's revelation. In chapters 1 and 2, Paul has spoken about God's sovereign choice of people to salvation. He's spoken about God's adoption of us as his children. He's spoken about the tearing down of the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. About strangers and aliens being made one household, one holy temple, one body. In Christ, we are being built together into a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father. Why do we bow? Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God. We understand that bowing our knees expresses humility, expresses reverence. So why don't we bow? When do we bow? And who are we? Because some people still bow, and maybe some of you do. Um, it's traditional in our culture that uh, when a man asks a woman to be his wife, he does what? Does it matter which knee? I might be wrong here. He 
You know, I, I did a lot of studying for this, and I didn't do any studying about bowing. Sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> but I've thought, I've had these thoughts that, uh, you know, do we not bow as Americans because we fought to get away from a king and it's that whole kingship thing? And uh, I don't know. Somebody who knows, you can tell me afterwards. Um, and uh, is it religiously we don't bow because we're protesting against people who do? Do we need to bow? Somebody, please tell me no. Do we need to bow our hearts? Okay. For those of you watching online, they said yes. <laughs> not a bad idea to bow. No, it's not. Um, and uh, one thing I learned, we'll do a little inside preaching baseball here. Um, one thing I learned about the uh, online feed, you guys don't get picked up much, so when I say something really funny and you laugh, nobody knows. <laughs> so no more funny stuff, because they can't hear it, doesn't matter. I bow before the Father, and the word he uses here for Father is pater. Something that I uh, talked to you about a few months ago. Um, it's a title that combines the supernatural authority and the care for his people. Um, this, um, this word here, um, it was written in Greek, so it's the Greek word. If it had been um, spoken in Aramaic, the language that Jesus spoke, he would have used the word Abba. We pray to the Father. A long, long time ago, I heard someone say, God is your father, he's not your dad. I was influenced by that statement for probably too long. I don't remember exactly what the message was, and the more I think about it, I wonder if I got it wrong. He was probably emphasizing our need to be respectful and to reverence God. But I misunderstood what the word Abba meant for a long time. It really does mean daddy. We bow down, we fall on our knees in awe of a holy, creator, sustaining father. But we wrap our arms around and are wrapped in the arms of a loving dad who never lets us go. Don't forget it. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. 
Not everyone agrees how to interpret this line. As the creator, we can say that God is the father of all mankind. But in the context here, it seems it must be limited to those who are in his family by adoption. As we've been reminded in the last two weeks, we, Jews and Gentiles, have been made into one family. It would seem that Paul is talking about believers of all time. Every family in heaven and on earth. Remember, we were called children of disobedience and children of wrath in chapter 2. We were dead. As Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. Those are not who he's talking, Paul is talking about right here. 1 John 3.10 tells us it's evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. Because Paul understands who God is, he bows down before him. Because the mystery of God's plan has been revealed to him, Paul bows down before him. Because it's an awesome plan, and because he's going to beg God to reveal his plan to the Ephesians so that they can understand it and be filled with all the fullness of God, he bows before him. A quick review. Questions for kids. Not to be confused with questions from kids. Thank you, Katie. So why did Paul pray for the Ephesians? He wanted them to understand God's plan. What's the Greek word for father in Ephesians 3.14? That one's easy. You got that one. What's the Aramaic word for father? Got that one. Okay, now a question for all of you, and you don't have a sheet to write down your answer on, but uh, is God your father? Stay for lunch if you don't know. Talk to somebody. So what did Paul pray? That the Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I said, what did Paul pray? I didn't say, what did Paul pray in chapter 1? Starting in verse 17. That the Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, that you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that you would know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now here in, verse, in chapter 3, he's not praying that you would know this stuff. 
He's praying that God's going to give you the power to activate this stuff. That according to the riches of his glory, 316, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. According to the riches of his glory, in proportion to. I'll remind you of a word that I used in chapter 1 about the way that God blesses lavishly. God gives as only he can give. That you will be strengthened with power. Paul says, God, please activate that supernatural dynamite power in these believers. That they would have strength to bear trials, strength to resist temptation, strength to perform their duties, strength to glorify him. How does he give this power? Through his spirit. Where does he give this power? In your inner being. We cannot strengthen ourselves in the inner being. In our physical being, we exercise to build strength. Okay, some of you exercise to build strength. Some of us have quite a bit of dust on our gym memberships. To exercise our inner being, we submit. We yield. We surrender to the Holy Spirit as opposed to resisting him, quenching him, or grieving him? Do you lack strength in your inner being? No dynamite power showing itself on the outside? Bruce Hurt suggests we do a little inventory. Look at our obedience quotient. Do we obey immediately when the Holy Spirit tells us to do something? Do we delay or do we not bother at all? Look at our intake of sound doctrine. What do we read, watch, listen to? Again, if you were here at, at nine, um, you got some of that. Is it truth or is it lies that we're feeding ourselves with? Number three, look at our surrender to the Spirit. Now, surrender sounds a lot like obedience from the first one, but I think of, I'm going to make it that obedience is single events, and surrender is the course of our lives. Do we have full surrender? Partial? Hesitant? Or do we resist the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do this. Dunamis power, that dynamite, it's not necessarily the power to perform spectacular miracles like Jesus did, or remember miracles that Jesus didn't do because of their unbelief, Matthew 13. But the spiritual power to live as mature, Stable, wise Christians. 
in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. It is by this power that a believer is enabled to say yes to the Lord and no to the flesh. Daily victory over sin is one of the greatest miracles a believer can experience. I know a, a uh, precious uh, brother in Christ. He is a gentle, kind, generous man. His wife is just like him, as sweet as can be. And I can say that I don't know a sin that they deal with. But I can say that I know that they need daily victory over sin. I, I know some people that, I mean, you don't even have to look, and you know they have sin that they need to deal with. Who really matters in this equation of daily victory over sin in my life? That would be me. In your life, that would be you. Um, if you know me, you know that I am kind and generous and sweet and and if you really know me you know that uh, um, James 3 applies to me you don't know what James 3 says look it up you got fingers Unless they're broken, that's okay, then I'll look it up for you. There's an instructive use of dunamis in 2 Timothy 3.5 where Paul describes men who have the appearance of godliness but no power. This pretend godliness has no power to break the power of sin. I'll say that again. Pretend godliness has no power to break the power of sin. I made this next question for the kids when I started this sermon, but it should have been a question for all of us. What is one of the greatest miracles a believer can experience? Daily victory over sin. We can't minimize that as being, oh, we don't really have to deal with that. We do. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So that, that's like for this reason, one causes another. Christ may dwell. We're not talking about a casual visitor. We're talking about a permanent resident. One who's in control has settled in. Have you ever had someone move into your house? I haven't had a lot of people move in. Um, I invited uh, Dira to move in. After we were married, she said, in case you didn't hear that. 
Um, the plates go where she wants them, right? The, <laughs> the pots and pans go where she wants them, right? Um, I did stick my, you know, stick to my guns on uh, we are not a, uh, oh yeah, we, we do not have, we are not a TV guide family. Nobody has TV guide anymore. But, you know, 29 years ago, that was a thing. Um, and we do not put bumper stickers on our cars. We don't need to brag about our kid being better than your kid. We already know that. Um, okay, I confess, she does have bumper stickers on her car. Um, when somebody moves in, it changes things, doesn't it? And when you got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in. If you haven't let him do anything in there, well, did he really come in? I... Uh, ran across a, a booklet. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home by Robert Boyd Munger. It's short enough I'm tempted to read it long enough to know I can't. But um, this booklet is a um, imagining Christ coming into your home. And you're giving him a tour of each of your rooms. And he talks about um, what are, what, what would Jesus find in our living room and as we turn on the TV or, uh, or when we go to the dining room and, and what, are our, what are our appetites? Um, obviously, he uses physical things to make spiritual points. Through faith. By faith, we perceive his presence. The Holy Spirit is working in us. Do we know it? At nine, it was a lot about conscience. And uh, God's word working in our lives, convicting us of right and wrong. By faith we know him. By faith we understand what he does for us. By faith we take hold of his blessings. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, is being rooted and grounded a result of the previous phrase? Or, wait a minute, weren't we already indwelt? Aren't we already rooted and grounded? Certainly, roots grow deeper as we let the Spirit grow them. 
Paul here uses uh, two phrases, rooted and grounded. Rooted is an agricultural term. Talks about roots, they provide stability, they provide nutrition, they grow deep, they grow wide to enable a tree to go through a drought or fierce storms. Roots in God's love enable us to have a relationship with him and with those around us. Grounded is a term from architecture or building. It refers to a foundation. A foundation in God's love gives us stability as we face fluctuating feelings or circumstances. There's some questions for the kids about uh, roots. What tree has the deepest roots? And I know everybody knows this one, but um, you know, you've never ever heard of this wild fig tree in the caves, Echo Caves in South Africa, has roots nearly 400 feet deep. Don't call Larry to ask him to dig them out. How wide is the great banyan tree in Calcutta, India? Nearly three and a half acres. It has over 3,600 aerial roots. And most of you are saying, what's an aerial root? And what's an acre? Um, well, I think I've got this right. Steve, help me out. An acre is about the size of a football field. Is that correct? Close enough. So three and a half acres, three and a half football fields. That's one tree. Um, now, what's an aerial root? That's, those are aerial roots. So those are roots from the branches that go down to the ground, and uh, this is one tree. And I th So up close, it looks like a whole forest. Well, from a distance, it looked like a whole forest. And now you get close, and it still looks like a whole, like a, a whole forest. And I thought, this is such a beautiful picture of the church. Because all of us have roots, if we are rooted in Christ. And yet, we're all part of the same thing, the same body. It's amazing to be a part of the body. I'll come back to that because it really is. Um, that you, verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Strength to comprehend. This isn't one of the questions on, the, uh, on your paper, but... What is the similarity between a spider monkey and your understanding of God's love? See, you're going to remember this afterwards. What does a spider monkey have that you and I don't? A what kind of tail? A prehensile tail. And what does a prehensile tail do? It grabs 
stuff and holds. It grasps. So, where do you see prehends or prehend in comprehend? To comprehend is to grasp, to hold on, to seize. I know some of you are saying it hurts to think. We need a growth in understanding, a maturing. Every child of God knows the love of Christ in some way, but we do not all know in the same extent. We all must continue to grow in our knowledge and understanding of his love. Being in community helps us comprehend better. One way to understand better is to hear people's testimonies. When somebody t gives their testimony, you, you realize God met them in that way, different than the way he met me. God has lifted this person up in this way that I haven't experienced. I can understand it better now. Grief is something that we commonly share with one another. My favorite sister passed away recently. Yes, she's my only sister. I heard things about her that I didn't know. People gave me hugs. People have sent cards and flowers. People have talked to me about grief and about God's love. And quite a few of you have gone through that very recently also. If you're one of our prayer partners, you have seen regularly on the prayer sheet someone asking for prayer for mental health. Roots deep to God's love are needed. Roots and branches wide to each other are needed. I think Paul is talking about, when he talks about this, comprehending the breadth and length and height and depth, I think he's talking about the infinite, limitless love of God when he uses these four terms. He wants us to be blown away by the magnitude of Christ's love. Do you understand the breadth, the length, the height, the depth? Do you grasp God's love for you? Paul wanted the Ephesians to understand the blessings of God in their lives in chapter 1. And he prayed that they would be enlightened to know the hope they had in Christ. Since then, he's told them about who they were without Christ. He's told them about God's revealed plan, including the mystery of Jews and Gentiles being made one. 
Now he is praying that they will have the spiritual knowledge and strength to unleash the power of God's love in their lives. I ask a question for all of us. What things concern you as evidenced by your prayers? Now I recognize that private prayers and public prayers often sound different. Just because someone doesn't publicly pray for the things that concern their heart doesn't mean those things are absent. But if the only thing that I can find in my prayer is, thanks for lunch, what am I missing? How well do I know God and his will? How can I know more? How can you know more? Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our grasp. But don't stop trying to learn and understand more. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Having all that God is, fill us to overflowing. Paul ends this prayer. Now to him who is able to do, thank you God that you are able, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. according to the power at work within us. To him be glory, honor, and reputation in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We know God will be glorified in Jesus. What about in us? What evidence do we display of the new creation? 